go to the next level with him. If your relationship is the same with Jesus as it was when you first came to come to know him, you're not walking with him. Because as you walk with him, you will change. As you walk with him, your life will be shaped. As you walk with him, you will discover things that you've never seen before. I don't believe that he wants us to stay at the same place. Just like any relationship. I've been married um, 30 eight years now, and uh, 38 years, my goodness, my, my relationship with Margie has changed. It's different. Thank goodness for that, Margie might say. But it's different because as you travel together, you change. And it's interesting watching my boys go through their relationships and how you see how they've changed at different places. And it does. That's what that's what relationship's all about. And God doesn't want us to stay at the same place we were two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. He wants us to continually grow and develop in him. And so when we look at the book of John, we discover that John sort of changes tact. He, he was talking about who Jesus was, and all of a sudden we get to see what happens when Jesus brings the kingdom of God's authority into the world and into circumstances. And he's taking his disciples to a new level. Now here's it for today. Today I want to challenge you, or not challenge you, but more encourage you. If you're facing difficult times, if you're facing struggles in your life, if you're facing sickness, if you're facing um, good times, if you're facing times of great blessing, they're all there when you become a Christian to help you shape, to help shape you into the place God wants you to be. Because today I want to suggest to you that God is shaping us for the next level. He is shaping our lives to take us to the next place with him. No moment is a waste for God. He's got it all mapped out. And we're going to discover that as we look at Scripture. So if you will open up John 6 for me. And you might discover that uh, I'll be looking at this Scripture that you all know very well, a little bit different. And today's message is brought to you by the girls of Esther House. I sat with them on Thursday at my Bible study, and we have a great time. I just love it so much. And we're there, and I said, hey, girls, uh, can we just change tact? Could you help me with my sermon? Because I've read this, and I want to see what else we could pull out of it. So today's message is brought to you by the girls of Esther House. Thank you, girls. Let's have a look at John 6, verse 1. And it goes together. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miracles, signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. That's a great picture. Hey, just get these pictures. When you read scripture, let the Spirit of God just show you pictures and speak. Every time I read, I get another message. Um, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, 
where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now remember, Philip comes from that region, so he knew where the delis were, right? He knew where Woolworths was, he knew where the places was, so it was a good person to ask. And he asks him, where can we buy food? Now, look at this, underline this. He was testing Philip. Everybody say the word testing. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. They were obedient, weren't they? All 5,000 all sat down like that. Teacher number one. They all sat down. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scrap left over by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Philip was tested by Jesus, even though Jesus knew what he was going to do. Remember this, Jesus knows the plan for your life already. But he was testing Philip. The word testing there actually means to prove or to, to, um, to stretch. Um, some of them talk about stretching. It's actually about preparing. It's seeing if, you can, if we can take you to the next place. This was not just a test to see if he was good enough. This was a test to prepare him. Jesus wants to test us to prepare us. Does anyone go shopping? I hate shopping, right? Margie knows that. But there is one shop I do like to go to. It's called Bunnings. I like Bunnings because at Bunnings they play good music, right? They play the 80s music, the 90s music. You know, I was there the other day. They were playing, this is ground control to Major Tom. I was into that. I was singing. I was walking around singing along to Major Tom because it was that time of the year. And it was great. I love going to Bunnings just because of the music. But if you want to stay there a little bit longer, what you do is you take a key down and you go to the little counter where they cut the keys. Because when they cut the keys, you could get two, if they're not very good, three or four songs in, right? So you go to the counter and you see the guy or the girl cutting the keys. This is what they do. They take your key, your master key, and they put it in a clamp, right? You've seen them do this. They put it into a clamp and then they look on the board of all these different keys that are made in the image of the key that's in the clamp. One that looks the same, one that, but it's got no shape to it. 
and it can't open anything up, but it is a similar key. They put that in the second clamp. They allow the guy to go over the master key while the grinder comes down and grinds the shape of the other key. You see, I think that's what Jesus does to us. You see, Jesus is the master key. He is the one who's the keys to the kingdom. And he puts us in, he goes into the clamp and puts us who are made in his image. We are formed in his image, but we're not quite the right shape yet. And he puts us in that clamp and he bolts the clamp down and then the grinder comes in. And the sparks happen. And the metal gets cut to the shape of the master key. Because when you get that key at the right shape, you can open up all sorts of things. You can open up the door to the next level. You see, God is shaping us into the shape of Jesus so that we can have the keys to the kingdom, so that we can open up things of the kingdom to the rest of the world. But we can't do it unless we allow ourselves to go to the grinder, to be grind, to be shaped, to be formed. Now, I'm not a gamer, okay? Some of you are gamers, right? I don't, I'm into the games. I'm too hyperactive for that, right? I sit at a game and I get bored. Just like I get bored with movies that go on forever. Series 1, Series 2, Series 3. It's like, will you get to the end, please? But these games, now I've heard something about games. And correct me if I use the wrong terminology, but I believe that you can play these games and you need to go to the next level. But to get to the next level, you've got to get through a whole bunch of tests or something first. You've got to either achieve something. I'm looking over here to the boys because I know that they played it. And I also found out something crazy. I found out that you can get cheats. Is that right? Is that what they still call them? Cheats or keys or something to help you go to the next level. You can go and find out what is the right thing to do to take you to the next level. See, to get to the next level, you need to have the keys. You need to know the combination. You need to know the cheat. They're not saying Jesus is a cheat, right? That would be wrong. But he gives us the way forward. He doesn't just want us to believe. He wants to shape us so we can open up doors of the kingdom of God, open up his presence, bring his presence into our circumstance. But how does he do that? If I look at this scripture, I see a few things that I learn from this scripture that shows me what it means for Jesus to test us, to shape us, to shape our lives so that we can actually be keys to his kingdom. The first thing is this. You have a look. There's the guys. They're coming up to the hill. Now, if you look at the reports of this in the four different Gospels, they're all very different. John is the only one that seems to highlight this conversation between Philip and himself, which is why I think John is trying to say to us something. He's trying to tell us something. The rest is slightly different. But in this particular one, Philip and the boys and probably the girls too, are all sitting around Jesus because there was more than just the boys. There were the ladies there as well. They're all sitting around Jesus. They're just trying to find a safe, quiet place. They're up on a hill. Now, could you imagine, the first thing is Philip must have been in earshot 
of Jesus. So he was close enough to hear what Jesus was going to ask. John doesn't say that he called Philip over. He doesn't say he went to find him. He says he turned to Philip. So Philip was nearby, probably close to him. And he asks the question. See, the first thing I need to ask you, and I ask myself to be shaped by Jesus, who is the key or the person that's in the other camp? You see, your life is being shaped by somebody. It could be shaped by society. It could be shaped by a friend. It could be shaped by your, by your marriage. It could be shaped by good people. But the person that's in the camp will shape who you are. And Philip was sitting alongside Jesus, and he was going to be shaped by Jesus' response right now. Who's the person that's in your camp? Who is the person that is sh- you are being molded after? Because the only way we can be molded around Jesus is actually to be close to him, to be sitting alongside him, to be near him, to invite him into our circumstance. One day I was, um, I was uh, here, we had to get a key cut. And so I went down with my key and I went down to the boot man down there at Coles and I gave him my key. I said, do you mind cutting that for me? He said, not a problem. So he cut my key, right? Like I just told you, he cut the key. I brought it back. I put it in the door and it wouldn't work. Now, I had some quite descriptive thoughts and shared some of those with people about the key cutting man. So I went back to see him with my key and with the one that wasn't working. And I said, listen, mate, I'm sorry, but it doesn't work. So he picks the two keys up and he looks to the light and he's looking at them. And then he said, mate, is this key that you've given me, is it the original key? And I go, well, yeah, it works. He said, no, 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 no. Is it the original key? Is it the master key? And I go, well, no, it's not. It's my key off my key ring. And he goes, go back and get me the master key. I said, well, what doesn't, it's the same thing, isn't it? He said, no, no, no. He said, you see, every time I cut a key, it won't be absolutely perfect. And so I, it's just slightly off. And then I, you come and bring the one that I've cut and you bring it to me and the next one's slightly off. And then you bring me another one and the next one's slightly off. And you bring me another one and the next one's until the key is not the same as the master key. How often are we using other people to be our shapes of Jesus? You see, just because I've been shaped by Jesus this way, and I'm not perfect, there's a little, few little bits aren't right, in case you haven't noticed. In fact, there's a lot. And if you try to shape on that, it's going to be distorted from the master. And sometimes we come and we listen to preachers or we go to read books and we try and be like them because they've obviously got it right. They're actually working at it and it's slightly wrong. Or you see somebody come and pray for someone and they're healed. And you go, whoa, that was good. And you see them do it again. Whoa, I want to be like that person. And so you start to pray the same words they pray. You start to use the same GTX oil they use. You start to do whatever it might be. Because I want to be like that. You see, you can't be like that. We need to be shaped like Jesus. Because you try and do the same thing and it doesn't work. Because you're not looking at the master key. You're looking at a cut of the master key. 
We need to get alongside Jesus. We need him to mould us. And the situations that you're going through right now could be quite difficult, but he's moulding you and shaping you. See, the other thing I found about this was Jesus was sitting there and he's with Philip. And he says, it says in some translation, he lifted his eyes and saw the crowd coming. And we've got to lift our eyes out of our circumstance and actually see the opportunities. You see, when Jesus looked up, he didn't see a problem. He didn't see that, oh my goodness, there's too many people coming. You better send them away. Send them all back home to get a feed first and then come and see me. He saw an opportunity of growth. He saw an opportunity of development. He saw this great opportunity. Sometimes when we look up, Sometimes we're not even keen to look up. We want to keep looking down at what we know. We want to keep staying around our own little space. But Jesus says, lift your eyes up. Lift your eyes up and see. If we're going to see people come into the kingdom of God, it's only going to be when the church gets alongside Jesus and gets shaped into his shape. And then we have our eyes lifted up with his eyes, not our eyes. Because you see, there's a whole world of people who are hungry for the, for, for the bread of life, who are hungry to be fed. But we won't see it while we're looking at our feet. We won't see it while we're looking inside. We'll only see it when we lift our eyes up. And we see there's a whole bunch of people who are hurting, a whole bunch of people who are looking for love. Keep your eyes up because Jesus wants to feed them and he wants you to see what he's seeing. It will shape your heart. It will break our hearts. It will mold our hearts. It will shape us with the key for the kingdom. I love the anyone watch the Ninja Warrior things, those Ninja Warriors, what they called Ninja the Ninja game thing, what's it called? Ninja Warrior, is that what it's called? Sounds wrong. And so watching the Ninja Warriors, I think that's crazy, hey? And that golfer fella, I reckon that he's not really a golfer fella, I reckon. Because I couldn't imagine a golfer preparing to do the ninja stuff with a golf club, right? So I've, I think he was doing something on the side. He was just dressed up like a golfer. But just watching those guys, and you, you look at where their eyes are. Their eyes are not at the water. Their eyes aren't at the problem. Their eyes are at that silly bar up there that's just hanging on, and they're going to jump, and all the time they're looking at that bar, and they grab that bar the impossible, and then they swing from that bar and they're still looking at where it's going to land. And then they fall on the... All the time they're looking at the impossible with the belief that I'm going to get it. And you see, we need to look at the impossibles because God wants to do something. But he won't do it while we're looking down. We need to look up and see the mountains, see the army like Elisha when he said, look at the mountains, there's a whole army up there to his servant. He's got to look up. And the third thing I find, that not only do we need to be shaped by Jesus, we need to have eyes to see what he sees, because then we'll start to be shaped by him. But the other thing is this, he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus already knows the plan for your life. He already knows what's going to happen. He already knows, yes, please, what's going to go on. He knows it. You see, I look at, at some of the tough stuff that we've been through in my life and, and I go, I don't like it, but gee, it's changed me. It's shaped me. 
and it's shaping my heart and it's softening my heart. And i got a long way to go, but you're probably in the same boat. Maybe you're facing challenges. Maybe you're facing difficulties. Maybe you're facing financial issues. <sighs> Don't just look down and ask God to fix it. Ask God to shape you in it. Because iron sharpens iron and shapes us. I was, uh, this week I was just uh, outside here and I got really excited because I started to see again what could happen with a church that really starts to look out and say, we're going to be part of a transforming this community. And I started to see again, I, I shared with somebody, said, what if, what if we could do this and what we could do that? And you know what? It wouldn't cost that much. And I said, well, what do you mean? I said, about a million dollars. I said, it doesn't sound like a lot to you, does it? I said, no, not when you got your eyes lifted up because God's got a plan and, and, and he knows what he's going to do. And he, and he said to the guys, go. This is interesting. He said to the fellas, you know, what, how are we going to get this food? And it says, Simon comes along and says, well, look, there's a guy here with five loaves and two fishes. Now, I used to preach that this boy had his lunchbox. Let me tell you, if that was his lunchbox, he was a big boy. Five loaves? Barley loaves they were, so they were big. Five barley loaves and a couple of fish for lunch? I don't think so. You see, this boy was a salesman. I, if you have a look at the, that, that time, there would have been young boys walking around with baskets, going around the crowds trying to sell bread so they could take some money home. This boy was wandering around. They saw the crowd. was probably wandering around the crowd trying to sell that stuff. And all the disciples had was enough to buy all he had in the basket, all he had left. They, they took everything he had, but they paid for it. I reckon they paid for it because I can't see in the other accounts anything different. But you see, they took that and Jesus took it and he multiplied it. And he fed not only 5,000 people and all their families, he even gave the guys a bit of a bonus to take home. 12 baskets, 12 disciples, 12 bonuses they took home. As we finish this today, I want to ask you this. I want to conclude with this thought with what you're going through right now. Is God shaping you? Because there's a whole kingdom of heaven that is so much bigger than ourselves. There's a kingdom of heaven that is that God wants to release here on earth and you have the keys for it and you are the key for it and He's shaping your life to open up the impossible, to do what is to Jesus already the possible because He's got the plan. He's got it all worked out. Let's stand together as the guys come up. Close your eyes for one moment. As you consider stepping into and allowing God to shape you to take the next, the next level, to open up the door We've been asking Holy Spirit, come. You know what? He's already coming in your life because He's been doing stuff. He's doing stuff. He's doing stuff around you to change something in you so that you can bring what's in you to a world that desperately is hungry for what only God can do. He wants to feed 
He wants to feed all those running up the hill to him. And he's going to use his disciples, you and me, to give what we've got so that he can multiply it. I want to see more people come to know Jesus. I want more people to come and say, wow, he really is the Son of God. I want more people to, to, to have their lives which are broken put back together again by a God who came for the people who are broken and hurting. And Lord God, I just want to ask right now that you would help us lift our eyes above what we see in this room and help us see the hungry who are coming up the hill. And Lord, shape my life that you would use me to be the key that would open the door for others to know you. As we sing this song, may this be your prayer today.